0: I'm back from hiatus. Welcome to the next episode of In a Good Way podcast with a live studio audience. I am your host Jacob, and I'm here with my co-host Pratik. And today we have two very special guests, Arun and Calvin. Say hello. Hey, nice much. You. And a very large studio audience. Really big. Woo! Woo! <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, for our first topic, we you'd like to ask everyone the question: Do you have to like someone to agree with them to appreciate the art they produce? Well,
0: want not you can start that off. Whoever's go for it. Well, I think it, it depends on the case
2: of like what they've done. So, I mean, you talk about like artists who have committed like federal crimes, and versus like artists who have committed like grave acts. It, I think it's like a personal thing Like where you draw the line For me There's some music that I listen to Where I just listen to the music I'm not thinking about The artist Or what they're What they have done Where it's just like the sound base But if you're talking about lyrically Some music It just doesn't vibe with me Just because Considering everything that They've done as a person I can't really connect or relate With the artists Like okay. who? Well for example 6 9 is a great example Of an artist who I can't really connect with
1: and so I was personally just like when you mentioned, that I was thinking of YNW y- Melly and obviously like his song, uh, Murder on My Mind. Do you, do you think you can still like, you know, like vibe to that song given that the charges against him?
2: Personally, I don't know the, um, the statistics or the uh-huh. specific situation that YNW Melly got himself into. I just like the way that his music sounds. So, I couldn't really give you a great answer on the topic of YNW Melly.
3: I'm just curious, why 6 9 is where you draw the line?
2: Well, specifically considering I know about what 6 9 has been involved in, like, like the what? court case. Like racketeering? Thing, racketeering, drug violence, and also... So that's okay, but you listen um, to like Chris Brown, uh, Domestic Assault, that kind of thing? Well, I didn't, I didn't even mention Chris Brown. Yeah, so yeah but you like Chris Brown. Brown?
3: I listen to some of his music. Okay. Is that like do you not is it okay for him but not for Six Nine? I think I draw the line at the type of lyrics
2: that the artist is producing. For Why example, Six Nine yeah. is like encouraging drug use and violence and attacking in general, versus Chris Brown's music isn't about that. It's just R and B melodious. Right, so you don't songs.
3: listen to artists to release music that's pro drugs? Oh,
0: oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> As far as artists who are pro-drugs, yes, I may listen to a few, but I don't listen to the ones that are specifically advocating drug
0: use. It sounds like, it sounds like from what you're saying, you can like art from someone who you don't agree with if their music is not about the things you don't agree with. Exactly. Is that what you're saying?
2: I think that's a great, uh...
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think it also comes when people really start disliking someone because of their actions... It's more when there's something that is grossly irregular or truly makes someone uncomfortable. Like um, Jay-Z, most people don't have a problem with any drug dealing he did before music because a lot of people do that who become rappers. At the same time, someone like Michael Jackson, that's a different story. I mean, that's mm-hmm. definitely something much grosser and more personal to more people.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a clear difference like when um, the music is about drugs or let's say like they have committed like an act like for example like uh, sexual violence or domestic assault or something like that i think that they're, they're magnitude set of stuff and also um like Colin was saying the what their songs are about really impact um the way we perceive it a lot because oftentimes when we listen to music it's to relate to our own personal experiences right um so for example like look at murder in my mind right that's a very extreme scenario right it's like like but the whole point of that song, the reason why people listen to it is obviously it's really melodic, but at the same time, it also talks a lot about the mental health issues, given that it is, it is an extreme scenario, but it's still a hit song. And it's due to like the content of it as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's because a lot of people in those areas um, can relate to it. Um, but Arun, I think the question I want to ask you is, Let's say it goes into political beliefs, because it's not not necessarily the like anything they have, the artist has done, but moreover, whether you agree with them and like them as a person. Do you think that impacts the way you view their art?
3: Definitely. Like I didn't give Kanye a chance at first as much because of his personality, especially in regards to politics. But I think that at this point, it's impossible to separate the artist from their persona. So it's up to if you like their music enough to the point where you can put aside their personality. Because all Like Jay-Z raps a lot about drugs And a lot of Prominent rappers do And Jay-Z talked about His time when he was Selling drugs Before he was a rapper So A lot of the time uh, People's personalities And their Persona as an artist Doesn't necessarily Prevent them From being a good artist What about Pusha T?
1: That's yeah, I was about to say that.
2: Good. I'm proud of you. I'm. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on Pusha T regarding his political views as well as his music?
3: Oh. I, don't, I don't know about his. I don't know about his political views. but I know he does rap about drug dealing because that's what he did well, before. Me, yeah. Look artist. at Pusha T
1: yeah. and and Kanye. Both of them have like very different political views. What
0: What are Pusha T's political views? He
1: He leans more left on. I would say almost. Really? All yeah. He said that he's, like,
0: he's totally against Kanye West's political views in 2018. Well, in that case, then, yeah, I'm
3: supportive of these political views.
0: I think really where it makes a difference for me, I don't care what an artist personally believes. Basically, if I like someone's music, they don't really have any more power to influence me politically. And I think that in a lot of extents, depending on what they're saying, if they don't think it's a really big issue, it can be an abuse of their position. So I personally prefer it when people on both sides avoid letting their political views be in the music, unless it's something they find really important, like, as I always bring up, Bob Dylan's Civil Rights songs. I think those that's something really important that most people can agree on is needed. And I think, I think when songs are used to be political and divisive, that can be where it becomes difficult. I mean, if you're an
3: artist, I think it's only fair that you rap about what you think is... Like an issue to you and all of that might not be something as important as like civil rights it can still be important to you
2: I think think this also approaches on the question of what you listen to music for whether that be lyrics or the sound I'm an advocate of the latter um, because I just find that music is kind of a backdrop or something that I'm listening to in order to feel a certain way rather than in order to learn something new like poetry.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I think Arun disagrees with me.
3: Yeah, I, I think you listen to music for what they're saying, not for necessarily how it sounds. Although, I think they come together to make the music what it is. Because if it sounds good but doesn't mean anything, then it's not something I can listen to like more than once. Because it's not more than just sounds.
1: Yeah, I agree with um, Arun more on this. Um, and it's just because, personally... No, no, I, I think it's, there are different um, music tastes everyone has. I think, for example, like for me, when I am listening to music... I want to be able to relate to it, Um, and there's like these two styles I have. Like for example, like there's music you want to listen to when you want to get your mind off of these things that you're thinking about, and then you listen to music that is more relaxed, about like for example, pop, R and B, like you know, like uh, uh, mainstream hip hop. Like look at Roddy Rich, his new new album. That Mm -hmm. that doesn't really discuss anything too deep, uh, like on at least on the surface level. uh, Definitely not. Yeah. But at the same time, it's catchy. And it, you know, it's 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 uh, it's definitely pleasing to the ears. But at the same time, if I'm in the mood to try to really understand my thoughts and um, try to remember those things that uh, I'm trying to, or like try to be more psychologically kind of introspective, uh, then I will listen to the music that, that with those words that have meaning. Um, so, for example, like look at traditional hip hop, like um, um, like for example, Connie West's Yeah, his album, right there. That talks a lot about mental health. And personally, I loved that album because it was so raw and vulnerable. Um, and I know that it didn't get the best ratings, but that's what personally struck out to me the most versus an album like Yeezus, um, which was so well, ego. radical. Yeah, it was so focused on the ego. Yeah. But at the same time, that ego did produce beautiful songs such as Blood on the Leaves. So, I mean, yeah. there's a huge contrast there, and I think that's a great area that it depends on. For example, let's say I do not agree with Kanye West's political views. That doesn't mean necessarily I can't agree with... Like, for example, I think that most mostly depends on the rationale. I think the reason, the like, uh, from what I've heard on interviews explaining um, why he likes Donald Trump, I think it's mainly because he can relate to him, um, relate to the fact that he's been criticized. Um, he's gone through the ups and downs of public criticism, of his public ego. Um, and I think that, personally... I kind of understand where he's coming from. I don't think he necessarily supports his policies. I think it's more of him as a person, which I think I I I personally am fine with. I think it's more of the policies. Where, uh, for example, let's say someone is like in their songs, literally advocates for a bill. That would obviously be something weird, right? Let's just you can't get (laughs) into that. Yeah, that would just be (laughs) go bill
0: 237. (laughs) Get through Congress.
1: Woo! Yes, sir! Thank you, audience. So, and I
0: also, I personally fall more into the category where the lyrics are what's important to me. But I also think that it depends on the situation. I think, you know, if you're out somewhere, you're not going to really take the time listening to the lyrics. And I think the music can be more important. Like, if you're at a dance or something, you're not going to listen to the lyrics. You're going to move to whatever music there is. I think it really depends on the situation. I agree with the when you want to relax i think it might not matter as much as long as the instrumentation's there
1: also when you're like in a dance you're not necessarily going to listen to like either like woke music um or like you know music that is like about like depression uh, anxiety whatever you don't want to like dance to that there's no i mean even if it like even if what the about, what right. about
0: the dance from rick in the tiny rick episode oh, that is yeah. a dance about depression you know what and dying in a vat in the garage
1: you know what, if you want to dance to depression, then by Just all look means, up, uh, go a Rick ahead. and Morty cri- clip. What do you think, Karin? Do you think you should dance to depression?
3: I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, though, that that's the reason that uh, artists like Roddy... <laughs> that's the reason why artists like Roddy <laughs> Rich, why their albums won't ever be extremely popular or m- memorable is because their music isn't necessarily meaningful. Oh, because... yeah.
0: Well, meaning is what gets remembered, I think, Absolutely. ultimately. There are a lot of bands who have been big in the past, you never hear about anymore because their (laughs) stuff's not meaningful but someone like uh bob dylan again can come back (laughs) and earn a nobel prize for literature in 2016 and he will be remembered forever even though the instrumentation and the vocal delivery were never the best in the industry the lyrics were Mm
1: -hmm. and to kind of add on to about um the roddy rich thing see i think that there are songs in the album that um are impactful like for example look at war baby or like um like his previous song, and this wasn't on this album, but before that, "Project Dreams," right? These songs talk about like him actually rising up to like from the bottom to the um to the top, and like even like he's basically like, suffering through success almost, right? Like the public criticism, and I think that is relatable. I think those songs will be more memorable than songs like "The Box," which is like it's a great meme, really great song. Um, shout out Roddy Rich for that um number one hit, by the way. And go stream "The Box." You want to beat out the pop stars, but um, <laughs> come on, come on, do it. yeah that's pretty good yeah we have some
2: we have some roddy rich fans in our audience it seems
1: (laughs) (laughs) great audience um really support you guys thank you for the support um one of the
0: things for really wanted to talk about is if you have to have a big ego or be cutthroat to get in power and that could be um in an organization or even just in the music industry
2: Well, I think it depends on what you define as a big ego. If you're talking about being selfish or just working, putting everything towards defining yourself as legendary, then I disagree with you. If we look at past leaders such as, for example, Alexander the Great, I know we're going like way, way back with this one, but um, Alexander the Great was able to command through his charisma and his power. He, He exemplified and pushed out power through the way that he was able to command his armies so Mm -hmm. in what he did i don't believe it was more cutthroat i instead i believe that alexander was an expert at just getting a crowd all oriented in one direction with one path and just putting Mm -hmm. them on that path so with him i don't believe that a big ego was necessary
1: well in that case look at what he had to do to like remain in power like let's talk about like let's say that uh, hypothetically um Like he got in power, you know, with his charisma, but do you think to remain in power, he needed to like really spread the word that, hey, he is in charge or like he is authoritative um, with that ego or cutthroat?
2: Of course you need some level of assertiveness just to maintain power, but I don't think it's necessarily about inflating your ego. It's Mm -hmm. about maintaining stability, especially with the huge city states that existed in Greece. At the time that he took out the Persian war states, it was more about consolidating such a huge empire and keeping everything stable and in order.
0: And I think also today in music, you, a big ego can get you there if you're someone like Kanye West, but in a lot of other circles like folk music and sure. some areas of rock, people identify with vulnerability. So the lack of ego in and of itself can allow somebody to become better.
2: For A great example of that is an R&B as well with an artist called her. For a long time she refused to show her face to her audience because she wanted it to be just about her music rather than yeah. who she was as a person. Her music?
3: Sorry? Anyway. <laughs> think, anyway, um I don't think that ego is necessarily like even for Kanye, for example, ego is like a part of him now and a part of a lot of his albums like Isis. But I don't think it was I don't think Ego's have got him there. I think Ego is a product of who he is, and it's something that he talked about in his albums, but it's not why he's famous. I think he's famous because he's good at rapping, he's good at, like, the delivery, all that stuff. And and if he had only Ego, it wouldn't have been enough to get him there. On the other hand, I do think being cutthroat is necessary in music or, like, historically, to maintain power, only because there's a lot of people who will be just as determined or driven as you, and the cutthroatness of people, like of famous rappers or Alexander the Great is the only thing that can separate you when you're really on the edge like that. But I think we need to frame what you believe cutthroat, being cutthroat is oh. for this argument. I think just in this case cutthroat is just doing everything you can to maintain power with without necessarily looking out for others. Does that include
2: going against others? Yeah. So you're saying... That you have to, do you have to hurt everyone around you in order to become successful? I'm not saying you have to, but I'm saying that they would if they had to. Interesting.
1: I kind of agree with Arun on that. Um, And here's, I'll tell you why. So, I think I have a different reasoning, though, for it. Um, so, for example, like, in, let's say, look, at it, it's 2020, right? So, in this, <laughs> really? right? Yeah? Everyone, um, it yeah. is now. Yeah, it is okay.
0: First episode of the decade.
1: Oh, yeah, we never, we ooh. never... Ooh. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, audience. But um, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that um, in this, especially in this era of uh, economic or like uh, income inequality, is becoming more prominent, and I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. Um, the top one percent is going to become more in power, and especially I'm referring to the top one percent of the top one percent. Shout out Bernie Sanders. But um, basically, I think. <laughs> 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 thank you thank you audience god i love the audience uh but yeah i i think that to, for those people to get in power is i think those people are really what influence everyday's decisions our um how the world works i i seriously i don't think it's not necessarily illuminati i don't think it's secretive i don't think it's really secret i think it's mm-hmm. the people that don't necessarily show their wealth for example um I've, I've seen the stuff that um, kind of proves that I really don't think that um, let's say like Bill, like a, uh, Jeff Bezos is the richest person in the world right now, right? Yeah. I think that there are people who are richer than him that just do don't mean? publicly um, that their wealth isn't publicly Interesting,
3: like they're keeping their wealth hidden
2: away
1: yeah. somewhere. But how would they gain
3: that how would they gain that amount of wealth without it being known? Okay.
0: Sorry, say that I think how would, yeah I sorry? think that could lie in things that have been passed down. Yeah. That might not be the best account. That'd be for. like a lot of money, or like black to... market. Things. I
2: think it'd just be too difficult to. But yeah, that much money that is difficult without. It I don't
1: think it is, and and I think it's personally because you have a lot of money yourself. No, I, no, <laughs> lots have of you also, been hiding so no wealth? Pratik. No, I just think it's like you could buy us more microphones. <laughs> I just don't think it's unreasonable to believe that. They're... Seems like their clothing you're dressed in is quite expensive,
2: Pratik. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you, audience. Really support you guys, um, but yeah, I seriously don't think it's unreasonable to believe that there are people.
3: Are even several hundred billion dollars. For example, look That's at wars, right? Yeah. Look at
1: wars, right? The wars are co- like wars historically make money, right? So I mean, if you look at it, like well,
2: it depends on the war. Well, I mean, sure. if you're on the winning side. Even even then, it still depends. Yeah. Oh.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Vietnam sure. War, right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh. Yeah. The, the Vietnam, Vietnam War is an war, example, yeah. but um. Yeah, if you look at, for example, like the U.S. involvement in Iran, in, like the early 2000s, and even yeah. to this to this date, of course, you can. Yeah. There are still conspiracy theories that the U.S. did that on purpose or set it up, right? And I, I'm not saying that there is any merit to those to enrich
3: their oil deposits. Yeah, for Iraq, you're talking about
1: uh, for the U.S. Like to yeah, to but, some yeah. of the
3: Persian Gulf wars. Yeah, that's not even a conspiracy theory, isn't that why? Well,
1: I'm mean, I'm talking about like more also, like with Iran and, in like not, not necessarily concerned. Concerned. with Iran, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. I'm talking, I personally think that there is, um, I I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that there are the people, uh, like, in, like, sort of, for example, like, hidden society or whatever you want to call it, that do have, like, significant influence over these outcomes. But who do you think is
3: getting the money from that kind of thing? Because if the U.S. government wins, isn't it accounted for?
1: Well, I don't. I think that's what we want us to believe. Like, I'm not... I think, honestly, a lot of this is deception. I think... I really don't think that...
2: I think I think Batik's talking about big corporations
1: with a lot of lobbying power. Yeah,
2: yeah but,
1: they... but not only that, I don't... For example, like look at Amazon, right? Like, Amazon recently got this power.
2: Accumulated wealth,
1: yeah. Yeah, and, but their plan was that they accumulated over time. Like, they wanted more market space rather than short-term gains. They could have easily... Uh, made more uh, become prop, became profitable earlier, but instead they said, "Oh, no. he wanted to keep getting bigger. He exactly. was losing money for
0: quite a few years at yeah. the beginning of that. Ended up being a good move, but most places that's not what you. Want.
1: And the only reason that he could do that, uh, Bezos could do that, is because he had the backing of these investors. Well, he who made his money it. on Wall
0: Street before he did that.
1: Exactly, but but still, the, the investors still supported him heavily yeah. on that. And I think personally that." There is, I, don't, I think personally I do believe in the fact that um, there is a lot of people that we do not know of yeah. that have significant influence over our everyday lives and um, they yeah. have this hidden agenda. And I don't, I, I think that um, it's not going to, Like for example, I think like a, a really good TV show um, that discusses this is Mr. Robot, or which I, I recommend. We we're saving that for later for T. You know, I can't, I couldn't help it. Mr. Robot is such a good TV show. I recommend everyone watch it. Um, Woo! Whoa. Yeah! Thank you, thank you, audience. But, yeah, uh, my question, uh, I think kind of want to transition into the... So, for our morality discussion segment, Calvin brought us an interesting
0: article about a thought experiment called Roko's Basilisk. And would you like to explain that, Calvin?
2: Yeah, so Roko's Basilisk is a sort of thought experiment designed to concentrate on the potential of the future to be end up in a hazardous situation. So specifically this discusses the potential for a future generation of ours to create a sent, a sentient AI or artificial intelligence that is so powerful and all knowing that it could be able to see into the past, the present, as well as the future. And it could essentially condemn us to permanent perpetual torture. And the idea goes that if as soon as we know that this being will come into creation, if we haven't, have not already been advocating for the creation of this sentient being and putting all of our efforts into the creation of the sentient being, we're gonna end up being tortured for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of this thought experiment is as soon as you find out about it, you're in a bad place essentially because you should be working towards creating this sentient AI.
1: And here's my question, Calvin. Um and I just thought of this, so let's say we all, let's say we all, like, as right now, everyone listening to this and it was speaking in the audience, uh-huh. we became aware of that, right? Sure. Um, so do you think that is, like, ever since this idea was proposed, we've all been aware of it, and this entire, like, lifespan, like, uh, the planet itself is a plan for this torture?
2: Sorry, say that one more time.
1: Do you think that, in, like, for example, like humans have been aware of this since the beginning of time, or have, whenever they've been aware of it, yeah. that there has been this long plan by the sentient being to destroy us and torture us, and this is all part of it, including becoming aware of it and having that fear of it? Of well, I think is- if
2: we if we were the ones who created the sentient being, it could not have been the sentient being's plan to plan all of this. Yeah. It, it would yeah. have to. The sentient being exists from that point onwards. And although it can see into the past and maybe affect the past slightly, I think the only thing that it could do is just expedite its creation. Well, do you think
1: the plan is already in effect? Like, for example, like you said, the plan to torture us, right? Sure. Do you think that's in effect?
2: So are you sort of saying that we exist in a simulation yeah. that is torture?
1: Yeah, do you believe that?
3: That's depressing, critique.
2: Well,
0: well, are you doing okay?
1: No, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> fine. I'm just saying, like, based on that theory, though... <laughs>
3: I think that the proposition, though, of this thought experiment specifically is that it's a future thing, not something that affects the past. I think the idea that we're in a simulation and that this is torture, something like that, is like a different, like a thought experiment in and of itself, but not necessarily related to this. Yeah. I also oh, think that any torture that isn't, <laughs> that isn't physical
2: <laughs> isn't necessarily torture, depending on how you think about it. I know this is kind of controversial, but... I think, like, for example, when you say that life or our existence could potentially be torturous, I think it's just how we concentrate on it or what we put our goals out to be. As long as we keep them in a reasonable range and are happy with where we are, then it does not have to be torture.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think one of the things about this theory that's really interesting to me is at least from what I read, it seems like it would attempt to be self-fulfilling. It, by saying that you're going to be tortured unless you work to develop this thing, that's the only way something gets developed when it, it you know when someone works to develop it. So I think the proposition of this theory is in and of itself dangerous.
1: I agree with Jacob, and I personally think it's more of the precedent to believe that. I think it's like yeah. that you are spreading this fear, um, and really it's kind of encouraging people... To not question things in my opinion
0: well, again, How many of Pratik's secret rich people Believe in this
1: <laughs> God, oh, <laughs> Maybe they're the ones that created this Wh- Oh Oh No ah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> I think that's what's so cool about it And why it's called the Basilisk Is because it's self-fulfilling in the fact that you have to That once you know about it It's dangerous in and of itself Because of the effect that it can have so I, I think that once you're aware of it, is when you have to put effort into helping perpetuate, like the creation of the uh, thing that Colin mentioned. But there is a complexity in, to it,
2: in just in, in terms of visualizing this future, and it does get us thinking about innovation and where we want innovation to go, and also where we want to stop innovation. Yeah.
1: Well. So, basically, you're saying that it, it eventually we will create this sentient being, right? I'm not saying no. that well, I, I mean, particularly like, prescribed uh, to uh, this Based, on, based system. on this theory.
0: Well, no, Calvin's just saying that there's definitely... I, and I agree with Calvin. I think there's a finite line to where innovation should probably be stopped. On that
2: note, there is um, a great theory about this. I, I can't recall the name, but it essentially goes that the reason we haven't discovered aliens... I know this may seem like a tangent, is because that there's some finite line... Of development that either we have crossed or have not yet reached so let me explain that a little further mm-hmm. that line is some sort of development whether it was the transition from single-celled organisms to multicellular organisms or the transition from hunter and gather hunters and gatherers to agriculture or the transition from creating nuclear wars somewhere down the line some transit some position point or uh, point of transition is where other civilizations died out, or other civilizations could not pass. This is one uh, segment of the theory, and we've already passed that, so we're the furthest any civilization's already gotten. Or the other part of this theory is that there's some other line in the future, whether it's the development of space travel, like further space travel than what we've already achieved, or impending World War III, I know that's a big uh, cause for discussion but that there's some point in the future that we will eventually hit that will cause our species to die out, which is why this this would explain why no aliens have come into contact with us because we have either already passed the line or are yet to reach the line. So yeah. that goes to your point about innovation and that there might be a specific line at which to stop innovation or innovation stops in itself. Well,
0: yeah. I think, you know, like you can make things easier, but I think there's always, I think there's some point where, you don't want to automate things. I think for um, Teak, we were talking about this the other day. Like the movie Wall-E. <laughs> um, to go back to childhood movies, that's not really something uh, we want. I mean, it's nobody does anything. It's it's pure laziness. Yeah, for sure. mean, yeah. It, so why would you want that? I think there's definitely some things that are better when they're kept to lower technology. Yeah, and I
1: think that's a dangerous part of automation. It's um is that there is no regulation to it, um, at least at the moment. And I mean, if you look at these tech companies, um, historically, like, societies become so dependent on them that they're given these huge tax breaks, and they're encouraged to innovate without considering the consequences of them at all. Um, And also, um, but Arun, what do you think that is the line of, Really this automation Where do you think there's the point And how can we Really regulate it
3: I don't think That we can regulate it And I don't think There is a line Just because Just like we're worried About nuclear proliferation There will be the same thing With innovation proliferation Because just because We limit it ourselves mm. By saying like You know Here's to... where you can't Go past There will be other countries Who want more efficiency To make more money That will cross sure. that line And it will always Get worse and worse Until we're at the point Where it's dangerous Like Wally Or Roko's Basilisk Or whatever is too much
1: And um do you think the, this technology, this automation, will be most likely used for good or bad?
3: I think it will be used to the betterment of society, but the betterment doesn't, isn't necessarily good. It's just a betterment as far as them advancing themselves, either monetarily, just by like selling selling stuff, or just through human ease, because eventually people will always try to innovate to make something that can help them. So when it gets more and more helpful directly, we might not think about the future problems, like, Wall-E, I definitely they didn't make it so that they would become fat and lazy, but that was a byproduct of it. So, that might be both good and bad for society, just depending on how you look at it. Yeah. I think... Like, oh, sorry. Uh, no, you should. I think Arun has an interesting take on the betterment
2: of society, and I think we should press him further on this topic. Right, oh.
1: Press him. <laughs> you want to press him? <clears throat> yeah, so... This is the pressing time, so... Well, Calvin's going to press. Dun, dun, dun... That Calvin was really press. funny. Thanks. Press. Okay, go ahead, Terry yeah. Calvin. So...
2: What do you define as the betterment of society? Do you think any action committed by any individual contributes as a part of the betterment of society?
3: Are you talking about in respect to the innovation thing or betterment in respect, like, in general? I'm talking Ooh. about betterment in general. Ooh. Like, philosophically, what better better is for society? Sure. We'll go that way. All right, I think about it utilitarian. In, when you look at it as a general policy decision, because you have to maximize, essentially, happiness and life.
2: But do you think any action taken by any individual contributes to the betterment of society? Not necessarily.
3: I mean, only, only ones that promote betterment promote betterment.
2: How about any action that does not correspond to direct violence? I don't What do you mean? Any action that doesn't, that's not violence. Does, <laughs> that, does that contribute to the betterment of society? Not necessarily. So, for example, if I was going to go and sleep for like two hours tonight, would that contribute to the betterment of society? Two hours because it's less than normal. Are you asking? No, just let's just. I just picked an arbitrary number. two hours that would suck for you,
3: so it'd be worse for society overall. So that would not contribute to the betterment of society, based on my limited scope of like the cause and effect. Then no, because yeah. think about it. That would impact nobody else. And it would hurt you because you would be all t- groggy tomorrow. Do you think society is <laughs>
2: intrinsically bettering itself over time?
3: No, not necessarily. Not at all. Actually, if you look at like climate change and issues, unlike nuclear proliferation, World yeah. War Three. We're doing a lot of things that are antithetical to our betterment.
2: Okay, but with respect to climate change, there's the argument that in putting us in a more dire state of climate change, we're creating a situation that spurs more innovation and more innovative thinking.
3: I would agree with you if we're doing that on purpose, but the problem is that that's happening because we're not taking any steps to prevent it, so we're making it dire. Dire... What it if we're good.
2: subconsciously doing it on purpose? Do you think that's a potential? You think that's what I, think I'm, I, saying, I don't, I'm not saying that's what I think. I I'm don't think I don't think it's a potential. I think
1: what Arun yeah. is trying to say it's a byproduct. Like for example, like let's say um, like uh, the climate change, right? We're trying to change, right? That's it's more also for the like it's a byproduct. I think it's I think public um, like public uh, opinion has something to do it, but I think it's really more based off of money and um, like economic wealth. Like if well, you look at the shift towards green power, oh, and, yeah, there's a lot of money. Yeah. I think everyone wants amount. to become the first one to do it. Like, same thing with oil, right? Everyone wanted to be the first one to do yeah, it. I mean, if
0: you say, wow,
1: no carbon footprint, something crazy like yeah. that, with some company that's traditionally
0: really bad for the environment, you can make much more money than using cheaper methods.
3: The problem is that it's not necessarily betterment of society that everyone seeks, but betterment for themselves, which is typically monetarily or through power. So, here, here
0: yep. would be a question if everyone like is that. seeking their own betterment, say in a like a capitalist society such as the united states uh-huh. if everyone's seeking their own betterment does the net of that better society itself it
3: can but i don't think it at least historically not necessarily just because i don't think not necessarily a lot but is this really the case for all of these because it can help society because sometimes when you're looking for something monetarily it can align with helping society like when people innovate in technology at least so far Things like, you know, wind energy, solar energy, and phones, computers, internet, all that stuff has helped society through, like, communication. It might have also hurt society, but overall, we can probably agree that new technology has helped society. But, when everyone is so egotistical in what they try to do, it can also hurt society by prioritizing things that help them, but not society. Like, when people like in petroleum engineering or uh, that, like banking, stuff like that, harm other people on purpose so they can increase their own monetary or social position, it directly hurts society. This, this connects to
2: Adam Smith's view of economics with um, free market capitalism where he was saying that every individual acting on their own interests works to the benefit of the economy or the market. Right? So are you saying that you disagree with that line of thinking?
3: Yes, because I don't think, I think it can advance the market, but that doesn't necessarily advance society as a whole, because capitalist capitalist goals don't necessarily align with society. So you think it's a case by case basis? Yeah.
1: Well, look at Reaganomics, right? Do you think that the trickle down it like do do you think that works?
3: I think occasionally the trickle down economics can work in that, like richer getting richer can help people who are poorer. but I think for the most part, it doesn't. But also like how do you, what do you mean in like in respect to I mean
1: cuz that's motivated by like the individual's desire to like better themselves right but at the same time the byproduct of that is that hypothetically in this in the scenario that the poor and like people lower classes would Get that would um, improve themselves financially and also like the well, nation as a whole, right? Maybe
3: my understanding is wrong, but isn't trickle down economics when there's like tax breaks for the yeah. rich, stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so
1: the byproduct of that is them investing back into the economy, right? right. Yeah, and then hypothetically improving the quality of life of I everyone. Think the
3: problem with that is, like, with trickle down economics, is that rich people they invest in themselves or not at all, and they just keep the money, so they don't lose it. And at that point, it's like the top gets bigger, and this the rest of the people just don't get anything.
2: Yeah, exactly, as opposed to the lower classes getting money and being able to just spend more on their daily goods and live a better quality of life, which contributes to the economy and makes it much more...
1: I agree with that, Erin, and I think that also contributes to the fact that everyone at the end of the day is trying to really look out Mm -hmm. for themselves. But I think it also goes back to, really, there's a small group of people that everyone has that they really care about, right? Um, And whether that's related by people that are related by blood or friends or whatever it may be. I think the really the thing that makes us human is that we are able to. I think that actually I would say about everyone, um, excluding mental health, uh, those mental health issues. That I think that um, everyone really has the capacity, and I think does care more about them uh, others, especially their close circle, than they do about themselves. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that they would really, for example, like let's say I think people would save their five closest people for random 500 uh, 100 people to suffer but i think jacob yeah. had a different well, I think, idea yes yeah, i
0: think that in any culture that's what affects whether things will work so th- different economic theories will work differently in different places like something that works really well in china or european countries could completely fail here and vice versa I'm i think sure. cultural priorities really affect each of the things and what does well
1: but do you think that the in like do you think human nature is to care more about your close circle?
0: I would say for the majority of people, it is to care more about your close circle. But I think the majority of people ultimately do care, even if it's just on a superficial level towards the people generally around them. And if there are low cost options to help them, they would embrace that. I think there's small sections of people who do not. But I'd say, by and large, people have a level of care,
1: and I think that's people. a byproduct of really the society's more like effect on um, society's like you know kind of like focus on commercialization. I think that you, the, these companies are looking for um, you know ways to market themselves and really distinguish themselves. So like for example, let's say them saying that they can better society by you know saving this animal or donating mm-hmm. their profits there. That obviously helps the customer, and I don't think that. And I think that is on a superficial level though for the customer. I think at the end of the day, the customer wants the quality of the product and at the price. But at the same time, the reason they are going to support that brand is so they can feel better about themselves, not necessarily to help the other person.
3: I think the problem is that we look at things like economics and capitalism as a zero-sum game. And in game theory, a zero-sum game is when if you win something, then the other person has to lose the same amount. So if I like beat Pratik at a game and I win a dollar, he has to lose a dollar. And it's zero sum because Ooh. he
1: Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Thank and, you. And wait, do you want to flip the scenario then? <laughs> no no Pratik, you're still losing money. It's, it's zero
3: sum because when you Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <have> tomatoes. <laughs> are you to finish it? I, I'm, no, no, It's yeah, zero really sum. It's, it's the audience. It's <laughs> zero <laughs> sum. <laughs> you didn't <cue> them? <laughs> it's
2: zero oh. sum because,
3: <laughs> because the winnings of one person and the loss equate. So I think in real life, life isn't necessarily a zero sum game because you can gain money without necessarily taking from someone else's. Like innovation can help everyone, not just you, yeah. but people that are in certain industries look at it like rich people often look at it like they have to take money from other people or from poor people in order to stay rich or maintain their success so they lobby for policies that can hurt the poor they purposely do things that can hurt the poor indirectly by like jacking up prices or purposely seeking child labor or labor in poor countries things like that that they think are necessary but actually aren't for a well-developed society
0: i agree and i would say to a lesser extent that extends both ways to um To even poor people thinking Mm -hmm. they need to take from there when really it should be more working together to better both groups. I think
1: uh, that brings up a question that I want to ask you, Ren, first. Um, Do you think that society or really what makes us human is the fact that we are irrational? Like, do you think we are rational human beings, first of all? Oh, yeah. Okay. And then do you think that's what makes us human? Like, for example, like these economic theories, um, most of these, uh, you know, these fields, these objective fields, they assume. They take into account uh, these perfect scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. And they assume that uh, in a perfect world. So, But that's to make models, right? So do you think that the fact that we are irrational is something that is something that we should um, we should take into account? For example, like the fact that... Um, or do you think that uh, these beliefs that we have is supported rationally?
3: What kind of beliefs?
1: Like for example, let's say, like again, like me uh, wanting to save my close friends for... Um, you know for let's say destruction of a uh, hundred others
3: well i wouldn't consider that an irrational thing to do because like if you look at like that's not that would be utilitarian a wrong thing to do but if you think about it from an ego center's point of view if you would much rather have the life of your friend than people you don't know because that really doesn't affect you so it, it's not it's not rational if you looked at it from a utilitarian frame but when when you look at it from your own point of view it is rational because you're trying to help yourself
1: and do you think that um, that is based on really how we are raised? For example, do you think more uh, our experiences shape us or do you think it is, um, it is really how we are born? Or do you think we're born this way? I
3: think it's a combination of our genetics when we're born and our experiences. Because I, I think those two factors coalesce into who we are today. So when we're born with a certain set of ideals, just from like our brain chemistry or whatever, and then our like parents nurturing us, that kind of thing, it yeah, b- makes us who we are now.
1: Calvin, what do no you think?
3: One. I think events and experiences... <laughs>
2: wow. <laughs> there you go. I they think even events and experiences can play a big part in someone's life. Um, there, there's, there's a big field in child psychology where childhood trauma is seen to cause certain personality characteristics or certain flaws in individuals. Our events make us who we are. They're big learning experiences for us. For example, just in maybe the accent we speak, we pick that up from everything that we hear. That's just one example of something that's typical of like your whole personality or your whole identity. So if the question is how big of a role do genetics play and how big a role do experiences play, I think experiences play a larger role in determining an individual's
1: life and i agree with that but i think the, the only exception to that is that um i think genetics really only shape us like uh, initially for example they shape our initial mindset um and also how we perceive doesn't our upbringing
2: well what do you mean by mindset
1: so for example let's say um let's say i get uh and then for example i think it's like based basically like, for example let's say uh, your looks um you know? I wouldn't say that's part of a no, well, your mindset. Well, well, oh, no. I think like based on your like for example, um I think this is based on how you kind of perceive things.
3: Like self-confidence? Well,
1: yeah, yeah, and also like how you uh, that kind of allows you to perceive like for example, how you raised. For example, let's say you were raised in an abusive household. I think genetic kind of plays into a part of how well you are able to cope with that. Okay,
2: but let's go back to the appearance thing, right? I think that's all relative, right? If you're let's say you're not a not so not so good you're a not so good looking individual but, but your you,
0: Diki's dissing you. Boo. <laughs>
1: but you're surrounded.
2: But you're surrounded by a community of not so good looking people. Uh-huh. You're not gonna have the same personality sure. as somebody who's not so good looking in a community of good looking. So people. So do you
1: think genetics play any role?
2: I do think genetics play a role, but I just don't. I just no. think that events and experiences play a bigger if role. If so, in so what
1: role is it then in genetics?
2: What role do genetics play? Yeah, they determine the onset. Your onset characteristics. Yeah. Some basic ideals in your mind of course but i think just i just think that experiences i'm not trying to say that genetics don't play a role Uh in your identity or personality i just think this plays a smaller role than the experience
1: i agree with you i'm just trying to understand like what you're yeah so I,
0: i think like genetics are a starting point genetics determine things like raw intelligence and physical appearance and maybe if you might get diseases or something like that which diseases can affect your mindset. But most of the time, it's how you're raised and what you see that's gonna affect you the most. Raw intelligence means nothing if someone's not raised to believe that it's important to work hard. Then it's just as well that they didn't have that intelligence. And I think the physical appearance can play a role in how you're received by others, but it doesn't define anything. Any, I think any genetic thing is possible to move past, to be a better person depending on upraising. Upbringing, because really most things like characterist characteristics and things you do are internal, even though they're affected by external. It's how you it's how you um, synthesize these external impulses into your mindset and gain a value system.
1: So with the rise of social media, um, it's much easier to experience um, the things or events that we've never really experienced before. For example. Um, like you have these people. Um, uh, for example, like let's let's look at the let's look at hip hop music once again. It's become so much All more right. popular because and people can relate to it more. For example, like not a lot of people grew up in these urban neighborhoods, but at the same time, somehow, some way, a lot of people, even from suburbs, even from like historic like you know, rich neighborhoods, like us. they yeah they relate to it somehow. And it's really from a mental standpoint. Why do you think that's the case? I think
3: we can relate with hip hop more than other genres because being related to the people is like the whole come up of rap when it started in like you know the 80s or whatever that was it became popular because people in like poor neighborhoods and stuff like these people were actually from poor neighborhoods like mixed up culture yeah they weren't just rapping about it like they weren't rapping about it because they heard of it they were rapping about it because they actually lived it and now it's more prominent but we can still relate to it because we're not in a position in which we could relate to other music that's like more higher class or not necessarily lyrical. So when they rap about like normal things like that we could relate to, we can actually think about it in our own pr- in our own frame of reference. We might not relate to the extent that they talk about it, like, you know, with Jay-Z or Push T, or the um, subject matter always, but it's common enough to the point and we know that these people are like normal people, so it's more related to us.
1: Do you think us being um, minorities and especially our parents being from other countries has anything to do with it. Excluding Jacob? Well, excluding Jacob, sorry. Uh, You count (laughs) Italian. Oh, no, we don't. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't count on any of the forms I fill out.
3: (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think that has that much of an influence, honestly. Just because, like, rap is prevalent in all cultures, Mm -hmm. at least, as far as I know, like, Jacob can listen to rap just as much as we can, and us being from an our parents being from another continent doesn't affect how i listen to it
0: yeah Yeah. and it's really everywhere i think there are people who are living the same things as rap who relate almost who can relate to it but people who have upper class upbringings and really no relations whatsoever to what's being said still somehow find a way to relate to it to a a more extent
1: i think it's more it's not really i personally don't think it's based off of the events but i think it's based off of the feelings they have um so for example like um when let's say uh, Kanye West raps about you know um, str- or like uh, struggling with public criticism, not m- most of us have never really dealt with you know national media coverage or like people. Well, yeah. oh, Calvin House. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Calvin. <laughs> uh, there's an exception for us, but you know the rest of us have not. Um, I think it's personally the fact that uh, we can still resonate with that feeling, and I think it is uh-huh. human nature to an extent. But I think it's also, it also says something about society and uh, the fact that. I think this society, especially this generation, we are, we're going back towards, um, before I think society was more independent, right? For example, like the move to suburbs. We moved to suburbs and, um, we moved to the suburbs and that was becoming more independent, right? That was when we really strayed away from a community, an urban neighborhood. But I think now people are wanting to move back into the urban neighborhoods and um, really get the sense of community, especially in social media, since we really don't find that anymore. so what do you think about that and how that affects it? Do you think this generation, do you think there is a shift in this generation versus the previous generations and uh, the movement to the suburbs? In
3: relation to rap. Okay, <laughs> not, not, not rap necessarily, but human nature.
1: Boo. Boo. They're building you, Aron. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad farty. you picked that. <laughs> 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 right. And let me ask you this,
3: critique. I'm, I'm listening. I'm guessing. All right. Uh, considering rap as a whole, it's had a lot of yeah. effects as far as promoting drug culture, but also giving it a voice to people who would be otherwise oppressed or at least yeah. not have their voice heard. Do you think, as a whole, rap has been a net positive?
1: 100. percent Been a net positive. Search? I 100% agree with that. Um... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> sorry, idiot. You... <laughs> <laughs> you <said, "B?" laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we're nice. 19- it's a tough audience, <laughs> <I wrote out>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry. I'm So yeah. to Yeah. Yeah, um, but I do. I do believe one hundred percent rap has a net positive, and I think it's because that it's uh, as a society we've we've it's found it become harder for us to become more open about our feelings. As um, and that's really the rise of these mental health struggles. People are more open about that, um, but at the same time, it's much harder to get treatment for that. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't think rap is unique in this promotion yeah. of drug culture and things True. like that. I think like a rock. genre yeah, rock is almost equally so just especially through the drug use of the musicians even if it's not in songs. I think bad things can proliferate in any genre, but most of them have a net positive because they give people a voice.
1: Well, why do you think rap is criticized more? I think rap's
0: only criticized more because a lot of the people who originally cover it and review it don't relate to it to the same extent like yep. they don't yep. know what the people are talking about and view it through this filter where they already think the genre is a mostly degenerate or promoting bad things so they're already polarized before they look at it
3: and i don't think rap is uniquely criticized either i think like in the 60s and 70s when oh. there's a lot of uh, like counterculture and that kind of thing in respect to uh rock and um psychedelic kind of rock. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of criticism too because it was different and it promoted drug culture and people who are older or not like with agreeing with that culture didn't like that so oh, I think sure. yeah I think it's always criticized it's not just a rap thing if you
0: look at th- bands like the Grateful Dead well they had a big following and now their following is mostly <coughs> middle age um, I like them though uh, they were really criticized because the band really openly relied on psychedelics to help fuel their um fuel their how they played and how they were able to do different things in every concert, their improvisation. Mm -hmm. And I think that was heavily criticized, even in the same context where Harvard professors such as Timothy Leary were feeling safe about talking about psychedelics and promoting their usage. Yeah, for
3: sure.
1: And I think that's a good kind of place to transition into a little bit more of a lighthearted topic. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so,
0: Fritik wants to... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so thank funny. you, thank you, thank you. Fritik um, wants to discuss Mr. Robot more, so we're going to talk about <laughs> our... <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk about it. We're going to talk about our favorite sitcoms and TV shows. All right.
1: And Arun, go. I want you to start off with this because I've heard a little bit of um, interesting things about your... Choices. What? Just, just go ahead. Yeah, I'm, 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 no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. yeah. What have you heard? What have you heard? Yeah, yeah uh, what covered. have you heard? No comments. Okay, I'm going to laugh right Wait, well it was I'm either right, you was or Coven. I can't remember which one. Um, oh, they are so, right, so similar. They, you know what, Jacob? That's, that's not cool. I'm being they're sarcastic. sarcastic. I'm making fun of you. I'm literally making fun of oh, you. This live audience thing might not work out.
3: All right, uh, yeah. Go ahead. What are you asking me about? What's TV shows Favorite are
2: sitcoms like? from TV
1: shows.
3: Favorite sitcom? I think... Hmm. I think Psych has the most depth out of any sitcom I've watched.
1: Ooh, wait, what it qualifies as a sitcom? What do you, what, I think so. What do you do or mean maybe, by uh, okay. I'd say more drama
3: and just... comedy. What? Yeah, drama comedy.
1: By depth, do you mean, like, what does it says about society, or just, no, like, No, depth is not like,
3: it was... The f- comedy was also sometimes somewhat advanced.
1: Oh, yeah, there are a lot That's of... That's a evolution.
2: good show. I disagree with the rune. I think that... Oh. If we're looking I, I, I love Psych, I think it's a great psych. show. Good Who put show. you on? You may you did put me on, however, I think Seinfeld is the best. Seinfeld sitcom. is good. Seinfeld is good. Considering the creativity in writing as well as the constant upheaval in the show, in general, there's no um, full plot or there's no like continuing oh, yeah. storyline. It's just about jokes. And being funny.
0: Well, it does such a great job of interspacing stand-up sets with the um, actual sitcom components. And I
2: think that's an important component of Seinfeld as well. Yeah, after the
3: first season.
1: If we are talking about, um, you know, sitcoms, I think The Office has to be up there.
3: (sighs) Nah, boo, I, I, actually actually I'm office a fan of
0: yeah we <laughs> yeah. I all mean, like that I like yeah Office, is, the so office so is one of the worst shows I've knows. ever seen
1: whoa I like
0: uh, <laughs> the US one is really well done I don't like the UK one as much it's yeah, not and as funny. here's what I'll say um, the US one just disregard the first season Oh, yeah, because yeah. after the first and season, the they actually redid Michael Scott to exactly, make him more yeah. likable, mm-hmm. and that really improved the show quite and a bit. I think
1: there was so much depth Definitely. to the, to the uh, character on Michael Scott. It was, for the well, there my, is depth to him. But... There, were so mu- there were times where he's actually a good boss, and I felt oh, like yeah. the, he, they alluded to many times to the fact that he was such a good salesman. I think They also make him incredibly terrible at sometimes. Yeah, but I think it's the fact that he is so inappropriate, yet at the same time, he has all this knowledge and advice. It's just that he chooses not to give it at times, and he really wants people to figure it out for themselves. I think it's. I think there's a lot of depth to analyzing that character. Other than that, I think the relationship between Jim and Pam is... Um, I think it's stereotypical. I, I don't oh, think there's course. much to it. Um, in terms of depth, I think it's a little bit... That animo- satisfies audiences, though. Yeah, but um, I think we... For example, look at the um, character of... Um, what was the guy who liked to sing uh, who, you know, mentally like... Andy? Andy. Andy, yeah. yeah. I think
2: in contrast to that, I love how Seinfeld doesn't feel the need to carry on a romantic story arc. Mm-hmm. Instead, it just supplements it with comedy and jokes without oh, yeah, the I need like for a general plot. What about Friends? Friends also Ooh. has a romantic storyline, so I don't think this qualifies for this. And Friends is one. quite childish. But I actually <laughs> am a fan of Friends. I might agree with that around. I'm a fan of Friends. It's all right. I, I, I thought that the show was pretty Go, interesting.
1: I think it's, and it's was all right. uh,
2: well made. I
0: don't, know, I don't watch many sitcoms, but TV yeah, show-wise, no, no. I really like... Uh, there's a show called Twin Peaks that's... um, It's David Lynch, who's a surrealistic director. But it's basically like a murder mystery in a small town. And it drags through all this um, terrible stuff that they discover as they figure out who killed their homecoming queen did you see the second episode that no, was this I did that. yeah the yeah. cinnamon Festival no. one no, that no, was no. great because they used the same actors too they oh, really they went, know that. They went yeah. with that if, if I was to
2: say one last thing though on what I think makes a great component of a sitcom is taking characters that are unlikable in terms no. of their personality and how they do and making them likable within the show oh they're... which which friends Seinfeld how much your mother? And I'm sure a lot of other shows do that. Mm-hmm. But when they can do it well, that's when I feel like I can really yeah. appreciate it. Do you know what show. I think
1: the best TV show?
0: Why can't I? Have you seen the TV guesses? show Her? Or not Her, uh, You. I've heard TV of show. it. I've you. seen like oh, an you? episode or two. So, so, yeah, yeah, that one does an incredible job of making you almost root for this terrible, <laughs> insane person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really well written and- that way.
1: I think the reason the Mister. Sorry, sorry for interrupting your no, Mister. You know Robot what Jake, the, It's okay. The, I think the reason that Mister. Robot is <laughs> the best TV show ever to exist. <laughs> you know what? Boo. <laughs>
3: Why is it pretty?
1: And I think it's because there's so Boo. much debt to the character. Like for example, they, have you watched the? F- okay, yeah. so basically it's about like um it's about a hacker who um wants to take down this large conglomerate um corporation um and really change the uh, basically it's a monopoly and it basically controls like the entire world. Um, and he wants to change it, and he wants to single-handedly hack them and take them down um, because they kind of killed their, his dad. Um.
3: <laughs> That's a good reason. He, well, he, That's yeah. a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: and, but the thing is that he he had the character Mr. Robot um, is is so conflicted. It's I think there are so many different depths to that character. The main character is Elliot Alderson actually, but Mr. Robot is almost inside of it. It's really it's really um. Interesting to see the depths of the mental health. I think it's the best TV show that really describes um, mental health and mental health um, illnesses. I think it's really creative, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's move on uh, just to the QA because we're, we're running near an hour right now. So, Pratik, I know one of the ones we wrote down is what is the craziest pet you want? And I know you had some good thoughts about this.
1: The only right answer to this. And I don't know if the audience will support me on this Is a baby lion Liger <laughs> <laughs> Liger works too I'm saying like it, But it has to be a baby lion It can't be a big lion It can't grow up? What are you doing with these after a few months?
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I'm just saying yeah. They're so they very suspicious Padik.
1: <laughs> They're so cute Um, I'm just saying like... <laughs> <What>? oh, <no. laughs> Thank you Thank you audience Like, For example, look at Simba Simba was Simba's animated, fatigue. Yeah.
3: Tell us about what you read about a dog recently. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs are man's
2: best friend, okay? All right, Personally, wait. I think having a horse would be nice. Ooh, I like the
1: horse. Yeah, you horses are you? nice. What about a
2: cheetah? Jacob, in fact, I believe. Oh, yeah, I, a,
0: I already have some, so I can't say this. I, yeah, yeah, I would, I
1: like what about much. a cheetah? Cheetah's
0: going to eat you. I don't want a cheetah.
2: Cheetahs would be too fast to be able to maintain. What are you, oh,
3: you think lions
2: are slow?
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 baby lions, you know, they have little stubby legs. You can catch them. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Really? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh, that <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think a baby lion is good. I can't baby think of anything lion. better than that. Thank
0: you. Ryan. I only think I like. You know, I'd go for a. lemur. What about a seal
1: or penguin? No, nope. penguins are heck? penguins. Penguin, Got to keep penguin. cold though. You're I'd go for a fridge. lemur, man. Lemurs <laughs> Put in the fridge. They're endangered. <laughs> <laughs> madagascar. I mean, yeah, my, the I lemur, think Lemurs are so Madagascar.
0: That. You can throw like dance parties yeah. with lemurs. They look oh, cool. Those are cool,
1: but penguins seem like they know how to have a good time. Yeah, but they're you they can't have <laughs> them here. What? What kind of guitar?
3: Really, Madagascar? like Like the, <laughs>
1: like, like the movie.
0: What yo, are you doing with penguins the Life is not Mr. Popper's Penguins if you ever well, saw that movie. Uh,
1: wait, wasn't there like a wasn't there like a spin-off movie of Madagascar with just yeah, yeah. The penguins? Just called the Penguins. Yeah,
3: yeah. the Penguins. <laughs> the penguins Madagascar. Uh, show, yeah, Penguins
1: of Madagascar. They were so funny, and they 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 were they knew how to have a good time.
3: For some reason, I don't think real penguins are like that. Yeah. Maybe uh, I'm what, wrong. Yeah, Simba,
1: but I don't know what would make you think yeah, like that. Yeah, for real. You think uh, about Simba first, then the penguins? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling oh, you, Yeah! It's <laughs> a conspiracy. Yeah. They don't want you to believe him. So okay, so... so I think well. I think our
2: audience has, has something to bring up here.
0: Audience, do you have something to bring up? Talk loud.
2: Danny had something, but I
3: think it's
0: inappropriate. Oh, no, <laughs> <Well>, okay. <laughs> So right. we'll move on our next question that relates to some of the stuff we talked to earlier is what is the best way to make a song viral
3: TikTok. Yeah, I think you use modern platforms of social media use influencers to get money and awareness and then just spur it through that Or even make something different something that stands
2: out from everything else I know that's hard and Ooh, if you look at the no. accumulation of all the songs that exist already but if you can find a way to differentiate yourself as an artist with your music then it might be easier for you to stand out.
1: And I think um, the one more strategy is I've noticed this a lot on uh, Twitter. Um, there's people like posting um, like as soon as uh, an artist or like someone famous posts. They have their tweet notifications on and immediately post a video of their song. And it gets like thousands of views at least at the bare minimum. I think it's just an easy way to get out there and it's, it's a hustle, to be honest. Well, I
0: think there are also two very separate ways you can do the same thing. One would be if you're going to keep rolling out different remixes of the song. That can be successful. Like in the case of Old Town Road. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one I would say would be I think it can be effective if you release an album as either with a big build-up for it to get people excited or completely by surprise. I don't think it's good if you're in the middle, but I think like Eminem recently gets a lot more listens because people wake up one morning and they see, hey, there's a new album out. Well, Eminem has fallen off. To this. Let's,
2: Let's, just you. Let's just be honest. Hey, he
0: broke his Rap God record on Godzilla, though.
2: No, maybe so, but at this Very point, fast. I don't think he's anywhere near trending.
0: He still sells he's albums. I mean, he was on top of the.
1: Um, I don't know how he sells, but he oh, sells Bell the Boy. genius like lyric search. He he, uh, his album topped last week and beat out Mac Miller's album. Um,
2: Interesting. I actually. Thought I love Mac Miller's, the Mac Miller's like, album. Was amazing, I don't think by
0: the way. I don't think Eminem's near the level he was when he was starting, For but sure. I think he's still pretty high up there comparatively. And
1: I have to say. Everyone, go listen to Mac Miller's album. It Love is amazing. Year. It was the best album it as of the well. year.
0: That's not, That's a, a, wait. It just or came, or came out, 10. man.
1: We're like
3: yeah, best album eight of eight the year. Extent. Best
1: album of the decade.
3: It's only been 24 days since this year. You
1: know what? I stand uh, by my claim. That's not of the decade. You're like, You're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But the audience means to say, ben, what <laughs> <Did> <laughs> They it, mean to say, woo. Did all of you see the Grammy Best
0: New Artist nominees? Now, who I thought it? those were really interesting. They, they were
2: they were lacking in quantity.
0: Yeah, it was so. I'll read you who they were. Mm-hmm. It was Maggie Rogers, Rosalia, Tank and the Bangas. I'm sorry. Yo, uh, Tank and the Bangas. There's no no ER. It's an A. Uh, does anyone know who they are? No. Nope. Okay. Yola, Black Pumas, Billy Eilish, Little Nas X, and Lizzo. I think really out of this <laughs> list. So it's few of them are who people would think would get this. I think Billie Eilish <laughs> is definitely up there, but most of the rest of them aren't heard of by most people.
1: I think I'll, I will endorse Little Nas X. Um, he has one song. Mm. No, his album was no, it, his. Well, no, but he has one song people hear. But That's his a, his, his EP was actually not Same. bad. I actually thought it was pretty good. The songs I, I heard were pretty good. Yet. Yet. I think. Out of that list, Billie Eilish
0: I, is definitely going to
1: get well, it. I, I agree with I you. Yeah. Her
0: album is really Sorry? good, and she gets Airplay. One more time?
2: He thought he had a banger. He
1: said y'all
2: he heard it all the time, right? All right, <laughs> well, let's hear a little bit less from the audience. Coven,
1: <laughs> <Are laughs> um, we, yeah. we got a request this from- This is an audience um, question. Uh, And this is just for you, Coven. I don't yeah. know why- No one else the is going this? this question. Um, I, I, I,
2: already, I already know what the question is going to be. Do you
1: like awkward audience. silence?
2: I was not actually expecting that, but um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of awkward silence. I think it detracts from really? a good conversation. Are you sure? Yeah. So um, sometimes I'll come up with random questions in order to fill an awkward silence gap. Oh, do you think, how does that
1: go for you? Do you think that makes it more awkward, or yeah. uh, I
2: don't think so. I mean, it oh, just depends okay. on how you frame it, really. Well, as long as you don't ask
0: anything deeply personal, right?
2: Colin? Exactly. You keep yeah, it,
1: which you would never do.
2: I would hope Calvin Well, would. I think it depends on the relationship I already have with the individual. Oh. So what's am of question when you
0: ask Fritique if you're getting awkward with him. Fritique, uh, I ask <laughs> wait a second. Maybe... Getting awkward with him? <laughs> oh. What do you mean? It's not like that. Like, was just, there's an awkward <laughs> silence. How would you fill that with Fritique?
2: Maybe I'd ask him where were some places that he'd like to go and visit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How does that relate to anything in the conversation? wait, wait, one
2: second. It's the gap. I'm filling the gap with some form of information. It's you know not, not that it has to relate Wait, to what was previously said. I respect oh, that okay.
0: because I would say yeah, go ahead. a follow-up would be do you like normal non-awkward silence?
2: Normal? I think so. I think that can be appreciated yeah. depending on if both individuals appreciate the silence.
1: I appreciate it when um, there is a genuine interest from the other person and then it goes for any relationship um, to get to know you better, or to get, or to let uh, the other person know. So, like your romantic interests? Not necessarily. You know, any <laughs> friendship.
2: Well, how would you feel about romantic interests in that particular regard? Partique
1: the declines <laughs> to comment on this. Um, oh, you went third person. We believe you know we, he doesn't want to comment. We went into relationship advice on the podcast with, uh, with Jenna, Madison and with Jenny, and, I, I and wanted, on the old Both
2: of those couples. Yeah. I wanted to touch on us. Uh, Lauren's um, podcast. No comments. Oh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead,
3: me, me and Arun had some words for him. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. You can. Oh no! Go that. ahead, please. We just wanted to describe how it was an inferior podcast, but I guess there's really not much to be said. I think our podcast speaks for
2: itself in terms of its quantity and quality.
0: Woo! 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 I'm taking over. Oh, so then we had two more questions. One was requested from our next guest, Andrew. Do you think spike ball is a real sport?
3: All right. Moving on. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: agree. Next question. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I do yeah. think it is a real sport, but... I'm not going to comment. I, I think it is. I don't know if it's Olympic level, like Andrew was saying, but yeah, it's, it's a and
1: sport. And I think it's fair to end off this podcast with a deep question. Um, would the world population decrease in 100 years?
3: I think it'll be about the same, if not higher. I say
2: it's hard to say with certainty. That's You're predicting something so far in the future. You don't know what kind of developments are there. Are gonna be there? Or gonna exist? Yeah. What do you think? I think personally, the I don't think we've reached our population or carrying capacity for the world. So I think that the population will expand and won't decrease from here. If you're talking about whether it will decrease in those hundreds of years, I think that's definitely a possibility.
1: I agree with that. I think in, I think in around twenty to fifty years, we will reach that um, kind of capacity, where the population will eventually start to decline um, due to events. You know what? I'm not going to touch on that. But, Jacob, what do you think? I think it
0: depends. I think there's a chance that it I think, if anything, it'll stay similar. I don't really see it increasing as much, though. With just general trends, as countries develop, their rate of population slowly decreases. So I'm think, I think generally, as the whole world develops, the population might go down or it'll stay the same. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that was, I think that's the episode. What and do you think, um,
1: for the last comment we all want to say is, this. yeah, thank you. Thank you, first of all, for the, being amazing guests, and also our live audience. Yeah. We to round the live audience. <laughs> Make some noise. <laughs> but um, I also want to touch on this. In in a couple of weeks, we do want to have a live podcast in the IB Commons. Um and really open it up for kind of like a town hall kind of thing, like where we have a panel, just Jacob and I uh, talking the podcast and our previous guests, um, and maybe even ask uh, audience some live questions. And please let us know either through the voice messages. or yeah, if you or, have any interest. Yeah, we would love to hear more, some input on how this could be run, or anything like that. What do you please mean voice messages? Uh, the
0: podcast, a lot of people actually don't know this. Yeah, That's a good question. Voice. So there's a link on our Spotify page that puts you... On our anchor page which is our main distributor and they accept voice messages and questions yeah that we'll get on our apps cool so
1: so download cool the anchor app and start listening to this podcast also, on, also on spotify app or, yeah. and apple music
0: so if you, you got spotify. if the audience would like to cheer us out woo, woo. Yeah. Yeah.